Hello and welcome to the Formula E podcast, hosted by me, Nomura Ruth. I hope you're doing well, but if for some reason life is not going as well as you'd like it to, I always say take it to the Lord Jehovah in prayer and uh, hopefully some Formula E will cheer you up. Welcome to this podcast channel. It is a post-Formula E race commentary podcast, which means I watch events that happen at an E-pre and then summarize them for you here on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're new here, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you stay and become a full-time subscriber. In fact, click the subscribe button, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to from. It greatly helps. And if you've been here from day one, I really, really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Now, this podcast channel, Z Formula E Podcast, has had has been running from 2021, which means I have covered all the EPRIs that happened, all the EPRI that happened in 2021, and I'm doing the same for 2022. In fact, the 2022 season, it's so called that, it's the season eight. Season eight of Formula E is almost coming to an end. So if you ever missed a race this season, be sure to check it out on this podcast channel and uh, don't miss out on the action. So today's episode is about the 14th round of racing that we have had this season because by the time you listen to this episode, the race would have happened. So I'm going to keep speaking in past tense. If I keep speaking in present tense, please forgive me. That means I'm just experiencing the events. So it's about the just concluded 2022 London Epre. Now, since 2021 and even the years before that, whenever we come to London, we usually have a double header. So last year we had a double header in London. This year as well, we've had a double header in London. And what that means, if you're new to Formula E, is that we have a race on two days. So we have a race on Saturday and then we have a race on Sunday. So this year is the 2022 S-A-B-I-C, London, Ypres, happening in London, particularly on the streets of East London. So we had the 13th and the 14th round of Formula E racing happening in there. So this is what the schedule looked like. Friday, the 29th of July, we had our very first practice session, and I believe it happened at 5.15 p.m. British Standard Time. Then on Saturday, the 30th of July, because everything happens in a day, this is how it run. We had the second practice session happening at 9 a.m. It happened at 9 a.m. Then we had the qualifying session that happened at 10.40 a.m. Then the race itself, the 13th round of racing this season in Formula E, happened at 3 p.m. Then the next day was Sunday, the 31st of July. We had the third practice session that happened at 8.30 a.m. The qualifying session that happened at 10.40 a.m. Then the 14th round of racing that happened at 3 p.m. And uh, if, you, if you're new to the sport, you're like, oh my God, they have everything done in one day. Yes, we do have everything done in one day. It saves on resources and I believe it makes it um, worthwhile for our fun. Because if you come in, if you pay for a ticket um, to, to attend a Formula E pre, you've just, you basically have access to an entire day of exciting things happening all at a go. And the good news is that Formula E races don't last very long. They're just 45 minutes and a lap and you're done. So you're able to have everything happening in a day. And um, there's so much that you can enjoy at a Formula E pre. There's usually live music. We had that in London. There's a gaming arena e-race for you to enjoy. There's a kids area. If you come with your kids and you don't want them to 
you know, disturb your lot, you can put them in the kids' area. There's a food court. You definitely need your food. And then there's more entertainment. So it's exciting to be there. And you also get exposed to, you know, the latest trends that are happening within, I will call it the electric world. <laughs> the electric world. And you just get to know about um, more of these things. Because Formula E races to, aware, uh, to raise awareness in regards to, you know, climate change, the goal is to affect global change in terms of sustainable and electric mobility. Me, myself, I didn't particularly pay too much attention to electric mobility or sustainable mobility for that matter until I discovered Formula E. You can do certain things that can definitely help in curbing the destruction that we have done to our planet. Maybe you can recycle. Actually, you're encouraged to recycle. If you attend a Formula E race, you're most definitely going to recycle um certain things that you're using and it's just safer for the environment to do that you're also exposed to you know the latest trends in uh, the electric world like i like to say and it's also a platform to you for you to enjoy what car manufacturers are doing in response to you know carbon emissions so you have car manufacturers such as audi jaguar mercedes all coming together creating the fastest electric cars that they could possibly create having them race out there for you to see and then you know you'd be inspired so the next time you find an electric mercedes on the streets you're not surprised you've seen that kind of tech before in racing and uh, you're just more aware of it and, and i guess being aware of something makes you partaking it more i don't know if that makes sense and as you know usually with motor racing series the technology developed on a racetrack is also many a times used in the cars that you usually drive on your streets so <laughs> i could go on and on about formula e but we'll stop there so i think that gives you a pretty good idea of what i'm trying to talk about now this race um i mean london epre is a double header so we'll have we had round 13 in London. We had round 14 in London. So this particular episode is about the 13th round of racing. Yep. Yeah? And then the next episode will be about the 14th round of racing. So whenever we come to London, we race at the Excel circuit, which I have to say is one of my favorite circuits in motor racing, in four-wheel motor racing, because I love the nature of it for Formula E particularly you have an indoor theme and an outdoor theme so the lap starts off indoors so it's sort of like an amphitheater inside you have the lap starting off on like a smooth asphalt um a track and then it ends up you know going outdoors so you ha you can either sit indoors or outdoors it's your choice and when the cars are indoors it almost feels like a night race because it kind of is darker compared to when it's outdoors, then it's brighter. So you ha you literally have like a night and day race all in one. So it's always exciting to race to watch a race there. And also, who knew you could have a race indoors, a car race indoors? You know, because usually, uh, those cars are harmful, and you know there's emissions and everything. But with Formula E cars, because of their emissions-free nature, you can have them race indoors quite next to you and be very fine with it so that's another exciting thing about formula e and about the track i think it's one of my favorite tracks well this one and the one in chile <laughs> i like the tracks in in north america really in south america I like the tracks in america but i really like the excel circuit because you know you have the indoor and outdoor feel now in terms of length the circuit is about 2.14 kilometers long and it has two incline points. There's an incline on turn 20 and turn 21. And then there's another incline between turn 5 and turn 6. 
Overall, the track has 22 turns, so it makes for exciting racing as the drivers try to navigate those turns um, and the different parts of the track. Now, last time we were out here was 2021, and it was Jake Dennis that won the race for BMW i Andretti Motorsports. Prior to that, we had taken about a five-year break without racing in London. So then prior to that was 2016, where Nicolas Prost won for Renault Edams. I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to pronounce the T at the end of Prost, but I just pronounced it, sorry. So Nicolas Prost won for Renault Edams both the races. So he won the two races in 2016. And then earlier in 2015, Sam Bad won the second race for Virgin Racing. And then earlier, still in 2015, Sebastian Buemi won for Renault Edams, the very first race there. Now in London, the lap record is held by Robin Frines and it was set in 2021 for the Envision Virgin team. Envision Virgin Racing. And also, I forgot to mention, last time we were here, still in 2021, Alex Lynn also won for Mahindra Racing. I loved Alex Lynn. Don't you? Didn't you? Loved Alex Lynn. Anyway, that's a brief introduction about the London Apri. Let's take a short break, and when we return, we will dive into the qualifying session. Sorry for interrupting the show. Thank you so much, first of all, for listening to the Formula E podcast. And if by any chance you're also interested in Formula One, don't forget to check out my Formula One podcast called ZF1 Amateur Podcast. Again, ZF1 Amateur Podcast. Just look for it on your favorite podcast player or search for it in your favorite search engine. You can also look for my other podcast called Z Humara Show, which is all about living and growing up in Uganda. Again, it's called Z Humara Show. All right, let's go back to Formula E. Welcome back from that short break. Now let's dive into the qualifying session for the 13th round of racing that we've had this season in Formula E. Now, this season, Formula E introduced a new qualifying format. And so what I usually do is that I explain it to people who are not used to the new qualifying format. But if you're used to it, please bear with us. There's just a few people who don't particularly understand how it works. So this is how it works. The... um. There are 11 Formula E teams on the grid today, right? And each team has two drivers. So you have a total of 22 drivers on the grid. So those 22 drivers are divided into two groups. And each group will have 11 drivers. The way these drivers are divided into these groups is based on their championship standings at the moment. So based on where you stand at the moment as a driver in the championships, that is definitely going to determine which group you fall into. So for this particular qualifying session, Group A had Stoffel van Dorn, Sergio Sete Camara, Nick Cassidy, Lucas Degrassi, Maximilian Ganter, Sam Bad, Mitch Evans, Alexander Sims, Pascal Werlein, Robin Freins, and Oliver Tabby. Group B had Jake Dennis, Nick DeVries, Oliver Askew, Andre Lotera, Eduardo Motara, Jean-Eric Van, Oliver Roland, Antonio Felix da Costa, Sebastian Buemi, Antonio Giovinazzi, and Dan Tictum. Now, those two groups each have their session, uh, each have their particular session allocated to them. And so each group has 11 drivers, like I said before. 
those 11 drivers go out into the track and try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. At the end of the session, the four fastest drivers of the 11 move on to the quarterfinals. So the four fastest drivers from Group A were Stoffel Van Doorn, Sergio Setikamara, Nick Cassidy and Lucas Degrassi. The four fastest drivers from Group B were Jake Dennis, Nick DeVries, Oliver Askew and Andre Lotera. In the quarterfinals, you have eight drivers. So you have a driver from Group A versus a driver from Group B. So this particular moment, you have Andre Lotera versus Stoffel Van Doorn, Oliver Askew versus Sergio Setekamara, Nick Cassidy versus Nick DeVries, and Maximilian Gante versus Jake Dennis. So these are four groups of drivers. Each pair of driver goes out into the track and tries to set the fastest lap time that they could possibly set. And the fastest of the two moves on to the semi-finals. So between Andrew Lotera and Stoffel Van Doorn, Stoffel Van Doorn was the fastest, so he moved into the semi-finals. Between Oliver Askew and Sergio Satekamara, Sergio Satekamara was the fastest, so he moved to the semi-finals. Between Nick Cassidy and Nick DeVries, Nick DeVries was the fastest, so he moved to the semi-finals. Between Max Gantz and Jake Dennis, Jake Dennis was the fastest, so he moved to the semi-finals. Now, in the semi-finals, we had Stoffel Van Doorn versus Sergio Setekamara, and we also had Nick DeVries versus Jake Dennis. So we had two pairs of drivers, meaning we had four drivers. So between Stoffel Van Doorn and Sergio Setekamara, Stoffel Van Doorn was the fastest of the two, so he moved to the finals. Between Nick DeVries and Jake Dennis, Jake Dennis was the fastest of the two, so he moved to the finals. Now, in the finals, you have two drivers. At this particular moment, we had Stoffel Van Doorn and Jake Dennis. Between the two of them, they had time on the, to the track. They had time on the track, sorry. They tried to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. But ultimately, Jake Dennis was the fastest. So he went on to take the Julius Bear pole position. I hope that makes sense when it comes to the new Formula E qualifying format. Please let me know whether you've understood it or not. So anyway, here are your qualifying results for the 13th round of racing we've had this season. So here are your results for the 13th round of racing we had in London. Jake Dennis qualified on pole for Avalanche Andretti Formula E. Stoffel Van Doorn qualified second for Mercedes EQ Formula E team. Nick DeVries came in third for Mercedes EQ Formula E team. Sergio Setekamara qualified fourth. Oliver Askey qualified fifth. Maximilian Ganter qualified sixth. Nick Cassidy qualified seventh. Andre Lotera qualified eighth. Eduardo Motera qualified 9th, Robin Fines qualified 10th, and Antonio Felix da Costa qualified 11th. Sambad qualified 12th, Generic Van qualified 13th, Mitch Evans qualified 14th, Sebastian Buemi qualified 15th, Alexander Sims qualified 16th, Oliver Roland qualified 17th, Pascal Werlein qualified 18th, Antonio Giovinazzi qualified 19th, Oliver Tavi qualified 20th, and Dante Tam qualified 21st. Wrapping it up was Lucas Degrassi, who came in 22nd because uh, his lap times were deleted for impeding. So let's take a short break. When we return, we'll dive into the race itself. Welcome back from that short break. Now let's dive into the race itself. Now Formula E races happen for 45 minutes and a lap. So what happens is that I choose particular moments of the race and then share them with you. 
because 45 minutes is a long time and there's a lot of things that happen in there. If I go minute by minute, the podcast episode will be longer than an hour because there's a lot to talk about. So I try to narrow it down for you and share with you some particular moments and uh, you'll get the whole picture of what the race was like. We also have attack mode in Formula E and it's mandatory for drivers to undertake it. It usually lasts for about four minutes. And what happens is that when drivers take it, they get, they get about 13% extra power, I believe, but I stand to be corrected in that one. I'll get my facts right. About 13% power boost during the race, and it lasts for about four minutes. It depends on which track you are, because you have a track that um, it takes attack mode for about eight minutes. So it depends on which particular track you are. Sometimes you only have to, have to activate it once in a race. Other times you have to activate it more, twice in a race. So it also depends on the track you're at. Then Formula E is the only motor racing series that allows fans to um, influence the outcome of a race. So it allows fans to influence the race results. And that is done through Fan Boost. So before a race, there's a particular time window that is given where you're allowed to Fan Boost your favorite driver. You're allowed to vote for your favorite driver to get Fan Boost. And Fan Boost is essentially extra power that a driver will get during a race. Now, not all 22 drivers get fan boost. It's usually about five drivers that have received the most votes that get fan boost in a race. So these drivers for this particular race were Stoffel Van Dorn, Mitch Evans, Antonio Felix da Costa, Lucas Degrassi, and Eduardo Mortara. So on top of having a tag mode, you also have fan boost. So definitely, it really helps you perform better. Although attack mode doesn't necessarily guarantee you places up the grid, sometimes drivers actually lose positions when they undergo attack mode. And I think it all comes down to strategy when you take it. You can compare it to a pit stop. I know Formula E fans hate it when you compare it to Formula 1. And it's not what I'm trying to do. But just think of it this way. You can gain places when you pit. You can lose places when you pit. It's the same thing with attack mode. You can gain places. You can lose places. It all comes down to your strategy as a team on the track. All right. Let's count down. Now, 44 minutes and a lap left to go. Jake Dennis was on pole. Managed to defend himself nicely from Stoffel Van Don, who was attacking him. You could tell Stoffel wanted that place from Jake Dennis for sure. Now, he ended up leading the two Mercedes of Stoffel Van Dorn and Nick Dufries behind him. And behind those Mercedes were Sergio Sitikamara and then there was also Oliver Askew behind them. Now, still into turn one, some bad was crushed into by a deal to Cheetah into turn one. So, we had debris everywhere on the track. In fact, I believe in that scaffold, Eduardo Mortara also lost his front wing. And that made him drop positions to 15th. So he dropped down to the 15th. It was actually not nice. But it wasn't entirely a terrible, terrible collision of sorts. I think it was just, you know, drivers just trying to gain as many positions as they, as they could possibly gain at the start of the race. So... Zambad was also badly damaged. In fact, he could have been out of the race at the particular moment because he was running stationary for some good time around that time. Now, 43 minutes and a lap left to go. Eduardo Motara, because of the damage that he had sustained during the collision, he decided to pit. And when he returned from the pits, a minute had gone by. So he spent a lot of time in the pits having his car fixed, fixing the front wing, fixing everything. And... Um, when he returned to the grid, he was running in 21st place with some band behind him in 22nd place. 
Now, eventually, we were told that Sambad was retiring from the race because he had sustained too much damage. So, essentially, Eduardo Motara was now the last driver in the race in the 21st position. 41 minutes and a lap left to go. We were told by race control that the attack mode activation zone had been opened, which means that drivers could now activate attack mode. Around that same time as well, Generic Van in 11th place and Antonio Felix de Costa gave us some wheel-to-wheel -wheel action, which we all definitely enjoy. Now, 39 minutes and a lap left to go. Sajra Setakamara, who was running in 4th place, manages to go on the inside of Nick DeVries, who is running in 3rd place, into turn 1 and makes the overtake with Nick DeVries. So, Sajra pushes Nick DeVries down to 4th place and places himself up in 3rd place. 38 minutes and a lap left to go. Generic Van, who's running in 11th place, hits the back of Antonio Felix de Costa, who's running in 10th place. These two really, they, they went racing and then some during this Ypres. They went racing and then some. Anyway, in 21st place, I was so impressed by Eduardo Motara. Remember, he had sustained damage. But at this particular moment, he said the fastest lap of the race. So that goes to tell you how much he desperately wanted to make up positions that he had lost at the start of the race. In 16th place was Lucas Degrassi, who I believe was the first driver to undertake attack mode. And as he did that, Sebastian Buemi managed to overtake the DS Tachita cars of Generic Van and Antonio Felix da Costa. Like I said, the, their teammates, actually, if you, if you didn't know, their teammates, Generic Van and Antonio Felix da Costa, and they were going at it with each other. And sometimes I think when teammates are fighting each other, they are losing out. And usually your opponent takes advantage of that situation and manages to get ahead of you. And that's exactly what Sebastian Buemi did. At this, as these two were fighting it out with each other, he managed to overtake them. So Sebastian Buemi placed himself up into 10th place, pushing down Antonio Felix da Costa to 11th and Generic Van down to 12th place. Now, still under attack mode, Lucas Degrassi tried to overtake Oliver Roland, who was running in 15th place, but he failed. Now, a few minutes later, with 33 minutes and a lap left to go, Lucas Degrassi had by this particular moment finished activating his attack mode, so he wasn't under attack mode. And when that when he's, he's an atta under attack mode, sorry, he manages to make the overtake on Oliver Rowland, which is quite interesting. That's the thing about attack mode that I told you before. Sometimes you gain places, sometimes you lose places. And you can have it activated and still fail to make the overtake. And then when it's deactivated, you make the overtake. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like when you... I know you don't like it when I compare Formula E and Formula 1, but sometimes when people are new to Formula E, I like to do that because it makes it easier for them to understand. It's like in Formula 1, you can have your DRS enabled and fail to make the overtake, and when it's not enabled, you make the overtake. So without the attack mode enabled, Lucas Degrassi made the overtake on Oliver Rowland. So Lucas Degrassi was at that particular moment running in 15th place. Oliver Rowland was running in 16th place. Also still around that time, the top three drivers all took attack mode. That was um, Jake Dennis in first place, Stoffel Van Dorn in second, Sajo Sete Kamara in third, Nick DeVries in fourth also took attack mode around that particular time, Oliver Askew in fifth took attack mode, Maximilian Ganta in seventh took attack mode, Robin Fiennes in eighth, Andre Lotter in ninth, Sebastian Buemi in eleventh, he had dropped down a place, and so did Da Costa in twelfth. They all took attack mode. Now, 
Nick DeFries took attack mode as an undercut. It was meant to help him overtake Sergio City Kamara. And it finally, it was worth it. Because an, an, an undercut, sorry about that. An undercut is, I don't know how to explain it. But you do it, I was going to say you do it to undercut your opponent. But anyway, it's, you take attack mode right before your opponent does it. So that it gives you an advantage to go ahead of them. And that's what Nick DeVries did. And that helped him overtake Sergio City Kamara. Placing himself back into third place where he originally was. Now, 27 minutes and a lap left to go. Also, these drivers took attack mode. Nick Cassidy in 6th place. Max Milanganta in 7th place. Generic Van in 13th. Alexander Sims in 14th. Oliver Roland in 6th. Pascal Werlein in 17th. All of them take attack mode. Now, Oliver Roland, who was running in 16th, in 16th place, managed to overtake Alexander Sims, who was running in 15th place at that particular moment. And Mitch Evans also managed to overtake Sebastian Buemi, which placed him in 212th place. Now, 26 minutes and a lap left to go. Jean-Eric Van was running in 13th place. And Sebastian Buemi in 12th place make contact. And I'm sorry about that. Unfortunately, Jean-Eric Van suffers the most. So he suffers a lot of damage and drops down to 15th place. Now, as, as you've been seeing in this race earlier... Generic Van has been really racing. He was at it with his teammate Antonio Felix de Costa. And remember that particular moment, Sebastian Buemi took advantage of a situation, went ahead of them. And now he's at it again with Sebastian Buemi. And this time he really, really suffers it because he gets his car damaged. Now, 23 minutes and a lap left to go. Jake Dennis was running in first place and Stoffel Van Dorn in second place. Both undertake attack mode. Now, I'm not a Formula E race car engineer, but I definitely would also advise whenever the person in front of you takes attack mode, you also take it. It's meant to defend yourself against them, I believe, because if you don't, you most probably, most likely will lose positions when you do. That's just from my experience watching the sport. Now, 12 minutes and a lap left to go. Sergio Sitakamara, who's running in fourth place, as well as Al Oliver Askew was running in 5th place. And Nick Cassidy in 6th place were all fighting for 4th place. Now when Nick Cassidy undertook attack mode. He then managed to make the overtake on Oliver Askew for 5th place. In fact later on with 11 minutes and a lap left to go. Nick Cassidy in 5th place overtook Sergio Sitakamara for 4th place. So that's the thing I told you about attack mode. Some drivers gain places. Other drivers fail. Lucas Degrassi tried so hard, as we saw earlier, to make an overtake on Oliver Rowland under attack mode and failed. When Nick Cassidy took attack mode, he managed to overtake Oliver Askew for fifth place. Later on, he overtook Sergio Sete Kamara for fourth place. So for him, it worked. For another driver, it didn't work. And that doesn't mean that the next track we go to in Seoul, South Korea, and will still work for Oliver Askew. It could actually backfire. So I, I'm trying to understand the science behind it. But I most definitely love it. Because it makes it very unpredictable when you're watching a race. Now, we get to five minutes and a lap left in the clock. Mitch Evans in ninth place activates his fan boost. And that helps him make an overtake on Antonio Felix da Costa. So he then places himself up into eighth place. Pushing Mitch Evans down to ninth. We get to the final lap 
and uh, Nick Cassidy in fourth place has the inside line on Nick DeFries and he desperately tries to overtake Nick but Nick closes him off and shuts the door on him and unfortunately Nick Cassidy can't make any more overtakes and I believe that's a summary of what happened at the 13th no, not at the 13th, but at the London Epri for the 13th round of racing that we just had. Now, here are your race results. Jake Dennis won the London Epri. How exciting was that? Stoffel Van Don finished second. His teammate Nick DeVries finished third, making it a double podium for Mercedes. Nick Cassidy finished fourth. Oliver Askew finished fifth. Mitch Evans finished sixth. Antonio Felix da Costa finished seventh. Max Milan Gunter finished eighth. Lucas Degrassi finished ninth. Pascal Wehrlein finished tenth. And Sebastian Buemi came in eleventh. In 12th place was Andrew Lotera. In 13th place was Jean-Eric Fun. In 14th place was Alexander Sims. In 15th place was Oliver Tauvi. In 16th place was Robin Frines. In 17th place was Dan Tictum. In 18th place was Eduardo Motara. In 19th place was Sergio Sete Camara. In 20th place was Antonio Giovinazzi. In 21st place was Oliver Rowland. And some bad came home in 22nd place. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how the 2022 London Epre went. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Now, don't go so far away because in a few hours, I will be uploading the 14th round of racing that we had in London as well. Because like I said at the start of the podcast, we've had a double header in London. Thank you so much for listening once again. If you'd love to connect, please do not hesitate. My Instagram handle is Humura Ruth. That is spelled as H-U-M-U-R-A underscore Ruth. My email address is Mbabazi Ruth 77 at gmail.com. That is spelled as M-B-A-B-A-Z-I-R-U-T-H 77 at gmail.com. And my Instagram page for this podcast is at Z Formula E Podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. I will see you again.